Welcome to The Wood Podcast, where we explore solutions to some of the world's most critical challenges in energy and the built environment. I'm your host, Lauren Gallagher. Thank you for joining the first episode in our Confronting the PFAS Challenge series. Inspired by true events, PER and polyfluoral alkyl substances, or PFAS, made its Hollywood debut in the legal drama Dark Waters, shining a spotlight on how these chemicals can adversely impact drinking water supplies. While governments and industries navigate the complexities of PFAS, smarter strategies continue to evolve to tackle these issues with our health and environment as top priorities. How can we understand risk, manage emerging chemicals for a more sustainable future, and respond to evolving policy? Today's experts are leading the charge to unlock resilient solutions to these challenges. I'd like to introduce Shailene Thomas, Wood's Global Emerging Contaminant Program Manager. A leading advisor on strategically managing PFAS challenges, Shailene joins us from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Also joining us is Dave Woodward, Global Technical Leader for Wood's Environmental Remediation Practice. A champion for developing innovative remediation technologies, Dave joins us from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And last but not least, we have Rob Whiting, a policy consultant in our advisory solutions team, Rob joins us from Reading, UK. Detecting PFAS from historical use often brings reputational and financial implications. Rob, what are your thoughts on how to manage this risk? A good first step is perhaps to actually find out what your, your regulators are doing or what they're look at, looking at to uh, basically forearm yourself in terms of what is the ongoing work. Um, you know, in terms of PFAS more generally, it's really quite a, a, a complex and dynamic topic matter, and the regulatory landscape is equally complex that that varies by geography. So, I mean, one one important piece of advice I would give is that regulators tend to learn from each other. So, there's a risk here you can become siloed and look at your neck of the woods, you know, um, which might be a national level or in the US it could even be state level. But it's worthwhile making that effort uh, to actually explore a bit further and see what's going on in the wider uh, you know the wider world because effectively what might be happening to, over in another part of the world is 12 or 24 months away from what will be happening in, in your neck of the woods Shailene what, what what do you think those are great points uh, I think the second thing that you can do is understand if your industry specifically is implicated and how um, and then evaluate your operations to develop an understanding of the current and historical potential PFAS use that you may have had. Shailene, what are a few things to be considered in the evaluation? Uh, in essence, I would say uh, you want to implement a management plan. So initially, looking at your operations, uh, traditionally for any other chemistry, you would look first to the safety data sheets. Uh, in terms of evaluating if and where you may use PFAS chemicals. That sounds like an easy step, it is not. It ends up being very complex because oftentimes safety data sheets are um, protected by CBI or confidential business information. Um, so this allows um, companies to protect, protect their uh, proprietary solutions for products and therefore they don't specifically list in a very detailed fashion every chemical that goes into a product. 
um, a management plan could be as simple as uh, a two-page bulleted document for a small industry that thinks that they don't have a PFAS um, problem or it, it would be limited or it can be a very complex document for an industry or a government that has you know multi-site documented problems. Um, I think the important thing that the management plan also sets forth is that you're documenting how you're responding to the PFAS challenge. Yeah, and I, I'd echo that. So I think what we've seen from the down, down, uh, down, further down the supply chain is that a lot of companies will, will buy in raw materials or, or, or products to work to industry standards and the focus is on the industry standards. So you know, PPE, for example, without really understanding what chemistry is in the raw materials. So you may not even realize that you're using PFAS. I think PFAS are also different with respect to their widespread use and in many urban environments present in background um, from airborne PFAS. And so I think, you know, even if your facility, you, you do the evaluation Shailene talked about and, and you determine you're not using PFAS, um, it may be in your best interest to consider, you know, neighboring properties, um, someone that, you know, is um, discharging to a stream that runs on your property, et cetera, because uh, PFAS is, is pretty much ubiquitous in industrial areas and you may have to deal with PFAS from impacts on your property, even if you didn't release it. Wow, I didn't realize that manufacturers could be using PFAS and not even know it. So Woodworks on some high profile PFAS projects, how can clients prepare to safeguard their reputation? You can go from you know, discovering PFAS or someone else discovering PFAS to you being the target in the news of the source of that PFAS literally overnight. So that's another benefit of evaluating your operation, determining where you're using it, how you're using it, and um, being prepared to answer questions when they come. PFAS is different in many ways. So we encourage you to manage PFAS differently and not the way you've managed contaminants in the past. The need for cleaner, protected environments is essential to create thriving cities for a growing population. Environmental restoration can take years, sometimes decades. What can we learn from the PFAS challenge to evolve how we manage emerging chemicals for a sustainable future? So I think the opportunity for us to do things uh, differently with you know, a better outcome is really to start looking at, at, at the use of chemicals in a more full life cycle way, not just the use of the manufacture, but the waste and the environmental side of things as well, um, that they're often things that are overlooked. I think you can probably tell from my accent that I tend to focus more on the European picture. Um, here in Europe, we've recently had the launch of the European Green Deal. Uh, the US is not far behind us in terms of looking at um, a similar strategy. Um, within that, there are zero pollution targets. And I think 
that the EU generally are really starting to embrace this idea of sustainability and circular economy. So I think I think one of the key failings within the PFAS story, and it's something we see a lot, is that a lot of focus and effort was put on designing a, a chemical to do the job and the manufacturing and use of that chemical and the waste and the environmental aspects were kind of either not thought about or, or were secondary and, and therefore it was a missed opportunity. I think there's there's much more need to look at the full life cycle when you're selecting your chemicals and actually thinking about where your stuff ends up after it's been used. Rob, those were all very good points. I think chemical use obviously is inevitable in our society, but um, detrimental environmental outcomes are not. And as we transition to a better, more sustainable future, we really have to hit home hard with best management practices and how to employ them to ensure that uh, as we move to sustainable future, we're, uh, we have a transition period that we are responsible within it. Um, PFAS chemicals are not the first emerging chemicals or contaminants out there, and they're not going to be the last. Uh, what we have seen with several industrial and government clients is development of a protocol for how to address emerging contaminants in general. So starting with the endpoint in mind and working your way backwards to establish that protocol is imperative. Whether it's persistence, bioaccumulation, toxicity, or mobility, if you define what your key triggers are for action within those key parameters, regardless of the chemical, uh, you've then established a platform to address every chemical that may pass your path from an emerging contaminant perspective. Dave, do you have anything else to add? Thanks, Shailene. Yes. Um, although, you know, as we, Rob and Shailene have mentioned, you know, we hope to move to a future that involves safer and um, chemi safer chemicals and chemicals that um, have no impact to the environment or certainly less. But at the same time, we have to recognize that um, there can be unanticipated consequences no matter how much review or study you do. So you should invest in secondary containment and the best monitoring technologies and protocols have protocols and procedures in place to respond quickly to uh, accidental releases so that you minimize the impact to the environment and minimize the impact to your financial liability. Federal regulatory agencies across the globe are taking positive steps forward to develop guidelines to tackle the PFAS challenge and create a sustainable future for the next generation. How do you see policy evolving? Uh, Forward-looking, I think in the U.S. with a shift in administration, we're going to see an additional focus on PFAS and moving that regulatory framework forward finally at the federal level. Uh, the Biden administration has committed to evaluating PFAS by designating uh, PFAS as hazardous substances, uh, setting enforceable limits for PFAS in drinking water, and prioritizing substitutes through procurement. I, I do think, however, the devil's in the details there uh, in terms of which PFAS are going to be designated as hazardous substances. 
um, in which PFAS will be identified for setting enforceable limits in drinking water. I think that and lowering detection limits also um, create a more complex situation. You, you may track the compounds that are currently being regulated and get a handle on those and very shortly after that have a whole nother group that you'll have to do the same thing for. So it will be interesting to see how environmental policies progress under the Biden administration. Do you have any tips for keeping up with the policy changes? I think it is worthwhile taking the time to keep up to speed with what the developments are, e either through some news alerts or, or a preferred information source, but, but try and keep track, at least on a periodic basis, of how things are evolving um, because the, the landscape is continuing to shift and move. Um, and what you thought were current events today, six months from now, 12 months from now, will be old hat, we'll have moved on to something else. Those are very good points, Rob. Uh, I, I think in the US, what we have seen is the uh, federal gov government in the absence of regulatory action with the EPA, we have seen states take uh, the regulatory framework into their own hands and try and um, promulgate rules around PFAS. Within that, however, to try and act even in a quicker fashion than a regulatory action, we have seen substantial amount of legislative activity happen at the state level. Where would you start if you want to learn more about PFAS? For more information around PFAS, and gaining a better understanding of the chemistry and of the environmental ramifications um, from freight and transport to remediation. Uh, we highly suggest the Interstate Technology and Regulatory Council uh, PFAS documents. Those can be find, found at itrcweb.org. Uh, Wood has been a major contributor to those documents and they are used globally as reference points for learning more about this compound class. I've learned a lot today about PFAS strategy. One final question, how is technology advancing around this challenge? I think PFAS has been a good example of when a new problem hits um, industry and government in a significant way, it does spawn large quantities of investment money into research and de development of new technologies. And we are seeing that with PFAS. It's continuing to ramp up and it has produced some new solutions. So uh, another component of your plan for emerging chemicals should also be to evaluate and monitor technology development so that you can deploy the best technologies for water treatment or remediation um, if you, if and when you do have to address that. And that brings us to the close of this episode of Confronting the PFAS Challenge, where we discuss understanding risk, prioritizing investments, and safeguarding reputations. If you'd like to connect with today's guests or explore related insights, please visit us at woodplc.com podcast, where you can also subscribe and receive updates to the Wood Podcast. At Wood, our curiosity keeps us pushing, innovating, making the impossible possible. Thank you for joining us today on this journey. Take care and be well.